0: You're listening to a podcast from www.aussierwriters.com.au where we celebrate talented Australian writers and their books.
1: I'm here today with Philip Crisp, an author who has a debut book which I'm really excited about and uh, I'm predicting this one's going to be a bestseller because... This book is so timely. It's entitled So You Want to Be a Leader. Influential People Reveal How to Succeed in Public Life. There's a foreword by Dr. John Houston, and um, there are uh, a lot of very influential people who have written some amazing essays on leadership and a variety of essays. So, welcome, Philip. Thanks, Suzanne. Philip, I would like to um, um, start off by introducing um, some of your ideas, which are on the back of the book, actually, and it'll give give our listeners a little bit of context. Sure. Philip says, "We ask much of our leaders and blame them for any failure to order the world to our liking. Yet many of us are reluctant to engage." preferring to disparage leaders as a class apart, a quarrelsome lot, and overpaid to boot, the useful butt of barbecue humour. Will we engage better with the next generation of leaders? Will they carry on a kinder, gentler national conversation? In this book, 36 Australian voices, both early achievers and the venerable, from across the political and social landscape, offer fresh ideas and timeless wisdom for people entering public life. Whether you are a budding politician, advisor, lobbyist, advocate, local counsellor, NGO leader, social activist, blogger, philanthropist, sporting administrator, or the representative of an industry, the arts, a profession or a trade, you are in public life. This book will deepen your understanding of what you must do say, and be, to succeed. That's extraordinary, Philip. (laughs) Tell me how you came to write this book.
0: Amongst my uh, friends uh, and acquaintances, there's a general sense of dismay about the condition of our civic dialogue, Uh, and I think that's been going on for quite a long while. Uh, I came to take on this project by accident, really. About three years ago, I happened to be watching television late at night and they were showing some footage from the Leveson inquiry in the UK. Uh, that was the um, uh, phone-tapping scandal. And counsel assisting the inquiry, Stephen Jake, QC, was questioning the British Prime Minister, David Cameron, about his connection to one of the people who was implicated in, mm. the, in the scandal. So that was in sort of, um, in an underlying way, a, a potentially adversarial situation, but I was struck by something about that exchange, and that was that um, the cordiality that was shown between those two men. What I saw was two men at the top of their game. Uh, The questions asked were civil and pertinent, and the answers given were, to the point, relevant and competent. And I thought to myself, I can't imagine that exchange happening in Australian politics with the leaders that we've had in recent years. and that led to another thought. Well, if the
1: British can do it, well, why can't we? And and you're talking about much more than just the British Reserve, aren't you? You're, you're, you're talking about uh, the core exchange and debate within within the leadership. Reserve. Yes, I think it's, it's
0: not just the British. I think the Europeans are very good at, at, at civic mm. dialogue as well. Mm. Um and I think at the moment we're not doing it very well, and we pay a heavy price for that because I don't think we're getting the policy uh, agenda dealt with in the way that it ought to be.
1: Yes. But then, of course, it's more than just political leadership. Um, you know, I can I can see from the essays within the book that it actually is about leadership per se that that, that is right across public life. Is that correct? Is it... Um, Something that you um, decided, as you were writing the book, that you wanted a broader uh, reach
0: yes, I did you're right uh, i I don't think I would have taken it on if the book was going to be just a book about politics, and I certainly didn't want it to be a book about the issues of politics that, party that politics. divide yes. that divide us, yes, party politics. Hmm. I wanted it to be a broader book than that, mm. uh, I wanted it to, to focus on those aspects of leadership that uh, anybody would need if they were going into public life of any kind, whether it was politics uh, right. at the national level, state level, local government, yes. whether it was leadership of a profession or a, or a, a trade yes. union, yes. Uh, whether it was in the non-profit sector, Um, I thought the leadership skills that you would deploy as a politician are pretty much the same as the leadership skills that you would employ in any area of public life. So I wanted to
1: take that whole field. And, of course, our politicians come from some of those areas of pu- public life as well. Indeed, they do, mm. yes. Mm. So, um, I, you know, the book is getting rave reviews. Uh, I, I just have to read this one from a very young but uh, influential uh, leader, Jack Heath, who's an award-winning author and... Um, his books are, uh, are extraordinary and he's a very articulate young man and a leader in his own right in terms of um, the way he influences through his books. His latest book in particular is, um, is um, very leadership uh, <laughs> orientated. So Jack Heath says of your book, "'Willingness to lead is more than just reluctance to follow.' So You Want to Be a Leader is full of unique insights from the young leaders of the 20th century and their advice for the young leaders of the 21st. It's essential reading for anyone headed for public life, which, in this privacy-exsanguinated world, is all of us. There's no other book quite like it. It's a wonderful review comment, isn't it?
0: No, I was very chuffed to get that, that review and... <laughs> Particularly because it comes from a young man who's right in the middle of the age range that the book is intended for. Yes. Which is, uh, believe it or not, uh, secondary school uh, children... Senior as, secondary, as, uh, yep. ..from 15 yep. years yep. on, I think will find the ideas in the book accessible mm. uh, to up to 35, or yes. indeed anybody that has yet to make a move, a major move into public life. Yes, yes. Uh, People who are um, still at a, at a formative stage where, where they haven't been so bruised and battered by, yes. by public life that they can't change anymore. Yes. So, uh, yes, I liked that review, and I think we need to explain what exsanguinated means, don't we?
1: <laughs> well, I, 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 that's one of the things I like about the review. I had to look the word up.
0: <laughs> and so did I.
1: And, and, and what does it mean,
0: Philip? It means drained of blood as we both now know and I don't think it's um at all bad that you have to run off to addiction I think people should be made to work
1: yes and that's what leaders should be doing anyway so um getting to the um to the book so what was the brief that you gave these um uh, essayists before they began you gave them a very specific brief didn't you
0: I did. Uh, I recognised at the outset that I needed to have a a coherent proposition for them to write about. And it was important because one of the things I didn't want to have happen is for people to write about the substantive issues of politics. I wanted to give that a rest. Um, We hear enough about it anyway. I wanted them to write at a a quite different level so that their messages would be just as applicable to a young Labour person as to a young Liberal or a young Green. Yes. Uh, Now, the propositions were this, that um, Australia uh, is a great place to live. We want to keep Mm. it that way. Mm. Uh, We have had some good luck in the past. Uh, I think we've had good luck to inherit some fine British traditions in, of parliamentary democracy. Good luck to occupy a continent that hasn't seen a major war. Yes. Um, We've had good luck recently uh, t- t- in that uh, China was willing to pay a lot of money for our minerals at precisely the time when all other comparable countries were uh, being battered by the... Um, global financial crisis, yes. but we can't ex- continue to expect to get by on good luck. And I think we're, we're facing some headwinds, both in an economic sense, but also in, a, in the sense of the environment. Mm. And we run the risk if we don't have sound leadership uh, that we won't deal with those issues very well. We, yes. uh, that's my concern. And
1: yes, so and I, I, I think it's a very well-founded concern. I don't think you would be alone with such a concern. Um, certainly the media and, and the, uh, the focus in, in, in the political arena is, is point-scoring and the media grab and what you're saying is very true. We need some strong leadership. So this book, this book hopefully may just provoke the right people and we might actually get lucky again. So let's hope so. So I'm interested in asking you about uh, why you chose John Hewson for the foreword because you you had some interesting things to say about the man.
0: Uh, Yes, I chose him because I thought he was very centrist in his positions these days uh, but more importantly, perhaps, he's um, not your typical... I don't think he's a typical politician. I don't think he's the standard example that you see. The ones see.
1: we talk about
0: at barbecues. The ones we talk about at barbecues. <laughs> uh, he seemed to me to be cut from a, a different cloth, and the main evidence of that is his fight back package, which was an extraordinary uh, document, mm. uh, I don't know whether everybody will remember it, but I I remember it. And in that document, in opposition, he set out his his program Mm. in... Which is a rare thing. ...great detail. (laughs) And this is rare because uh, nowadays what we find is that politicians just try and make themselves a small target. Mm. And... um, I think that that has happened, perhaps, because people have drawn the, long, the wrong conclusion from the fact that John Hewson didn't win the, the election that could have seen him become Prime Minister. Right. He'd lost that election. Uh, and I, but I would like to think that it is possible for a, a leader to set out a detailed plan, a well-worked-out set of policies uh, and uh, still succeed with him Mm. I think we need that
1: Mm. so um, I I noticed that the book is also in four parts and that's an interesting concept in itself each containing 8 to 10 essays, part 1 is on leadership, part 2 is on influence part 3 is commitment And part four is knowledge. How did you manage to classify these essays? This must have been quite difficult for you.
0: It was done after the event. Right. Uh, I had no idea when I asked people to write their essays what I would get back. In some cases, people wrote on a topic that was quite different to what I expected. Right. So I was presented uh, when all the writing had been done with quite a diverse uh, mix of essays. And I felt that if I assembled them into um, a single sequence of 36 essays, they're, they're, something would be lost. Yes. Uh, I felt they needed a, a, a structure. To be shaped in some way, They needed way, yeah. to be, yes, put into some kind of a structure. The mm. question was, what? Uh, and I think in the end, the structure that... Uh, we have in the book, is probably the, um, the best one. The way I'd explain it is that part one, leadership is about the kind of leadership that people often exert at the end or the peak of their career when they are the leaders uh, at the top, the, the leaders that can't pass the buck. Right. Right. Uh, the leaders who are front and centre. Yes, That's, the ones we want. <laughs> uh, what the, that part of the book is about.
1: Right. Uh,
0: the part which is concerned with influence might, in a typical st- a case, be the step before that. Mm-hmm. So that might be uh, more the public service person who operates somewhat in the background mm-hmm. and supports mm-hmm. the more visible Leader mm. and influence is a kind of leadership in That's itself.
1: Right. Yes, it is.
0: Uh, then you've got commitment, and I see that as the starting point of a career in in public right. life. Because unless you believe in something, unless you care about something, yes. uh, unless you're prepared to exert yourself, uh, then I don't think you're going to go anywhere in. In public life or in yes. leadership, so that's mm-hmm. that's typically uh, where the young people would start.
1: Right, and uh, part four is knowledge.
0: That's... That just doesn't fit into the same uh, sequence at all. It's it's a, mm-hmm. it's a it's quite apart from from yes. the um, uh, those three that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really more not about so much. What you need to to uh, say and do, Mm. or be, but what you need to know. Mm. So, so how well informed
1: you are across a general, broad spectrum of subjects is that is that what you mean? You know, somebody who's who's well read and you know possibly well educated.
0: (laughs) So, what you'll find in that part is a collection of readings, a miscellany of topics, if you like. on things that are really useful for somebody who's going into public life to know about, like the electoral system or some aspects of economics. Yes. That I thought were important.
1: Right. And so, um, look, there are just such wonderful essays in here and I know uh, it's difficult to um, uh, talk about some and, and, and not others, but I'm just wondering if you could give our listeners a little bit of a... A taster if you like and um, just mention a few bits that uh, really resonate with you and uh, will more than likely re- resonate with our audience
0: Yes, I think everybody would have their own favourites Of course, uh, yes I have mine, I think the essay from Margaret housemith is very interesting in terms of the, the language of discourse uh, that is her Her Big Thing, Um, she talks about the ways of communicating with people without actually putting them down or without putting them offside. Yes. Um, But I want to read something from the very beginning of her essay which demonstrates that um, it is actually possible to have a cordial relationship between people on the opposite sides of the political fence. And this is some correspondence between Robert Menzies and John Curtin, which goes back to 1941. And I'll read this. Dear John, I have ceased to be Prime Minister, and we shall therefore no longer be opposite numbers at the table. I want to thank you for two years and four months in which my task, always difficult, has frequently been rendered easier and at all times more tolerable by your magnanimous and understanding attitude." Your political opposition has been honourable and your personal friendship a pearl of great price. Wow. Yours sincerely.
1: That's amazing. And
0: the reply from uh, John Curtin to Bob Menzies, Dear Bob, thank you for your letter. I appreciate it more than I can say. On my part, I thank you wholeheartedly for the consideration and courtesy which never once failed in your dealings with me. I wish you good health and fair going. Your personal friendship is something I value, as I hope and know you do, as a very precious thing, yours, faithfully. It's beautiful. It is beautiful,
1: isn't it? Yes. One can't imagine that being written today, perhaps. (laughs) It's
0: hard to imagine.
1: That was Margaret Hal Smith's um, um, essay.
0: I'm not going to read more bits verbatim, but I'll no. point out some essays that I thought were particularly interesting. Mm. Charmin Hartel's essay is about psychopathy and, or psychopathic behaviour in organisations, and it might seem an odd topic, but it was one that I wanted included mm. because I think anybody that has a, a career in public life will encounter uh, psychopathic behaviour... Uh, or psychopathic organisations at some point in their Mm. career. And um, they need the insights in that essay to navigate Mm. uh, their path in leadership and, Mm. as she says, to enlighten you as a steward of the well-being of those affected by your leadership. Mm. Uh, Another slightly quirky angle is Mm. the essay by Tim Mendham, which is about... uh, Skepticism. Right. Um, which I think is a wonderful attribute for anybody. Who it's very healthy, isn't it? A healthy uh,
1: skepticism. Indeed. Uh, I believe I... there's a skeptic society. <laughs> there is. There's an Australian Skeptic Society. Right. It's
0: spelled with a K, isn't it? Yes. Um, Tim Mendham writes about some of the um, quaint examples of political leaders being taken in by quacks really uh, which um, it's kind of interesting I think at one point um, Joe Bielke Peterson was persuaded that uh, some guy I think his name was Milan brick had uh, created a car that would run on water yes uh, it proved to be it proved to be a total quack but um, how interesting. It, it, by you know, by the time these people get found out, uh, bucket loads of public money may have been spent. Yes, on these wacky ideas. So, so that's really
1: quite an important skill to to have to be able to discern or be sceptical of of the approaches that you may have as a leader.
0: Then you've got um, the essay by Marlene Kanga, who was the um, recently. Uh, National President of Engineers Australia. Yes. Um, And she asks people to consider a career in engineering on the basis that if you want to change the world, instead of being a politician, that's one way of being in public life, but but consider becoming an engineer because she would say more uh, lives have been saved... By engineers mm. uh, than by all the doctors right. put together.
1: Yes, and yeah. she talks about creating the next big thing, and uh, and how um, uh, uh, innovate when you are young. So so it's quite a it's quite a positive essay, isn't it? With um, with some uh, it's vibrant, I think, in in its writing. Uh, scoping uh, scope for innovation in engineering and technology is unlimited, she says. So that's pretty good. Well, we
0: never seem to be getting to the end of it. No. We always
1: improve (laughs) That's right. Um,
0: Perhaps I could just mention one more. Yes. I I do like the essay by, by Anya Puchansky, To the Lady in the Lodge, it is called.
1: That was one of my favourites. Yep. Please tell us about it.
0: Well, the premise of that is it's actually a letter to Australia's second female Prime Minister, whom we haven't had yet. Uh, It has some very interesting reflections about, uh, probably in the in the in the reverberations of having had Julia Gillard as as our first female prime minister. Yes, she's picked up some themes and speculated speculated about what it will be like the second time around because it will be different, but there will still be be baggage that has to be dealt with and mm. challenges that have to be faced, which are mm. different, which will be shaped by the gender. Yes. yes. Uh, and it's a very thoughtful essay that repays mm. reading and rereading.
1: Yes. Well, look, it's, it's, um, I, I think uh, the essays are just so interesting from, from a variety of perspectives. And I, I think what I like about the book... Philip, is that you don't have to read it from cover to cover. You can dip in and out. And did you, exactly. did you yes, you, you designed it that way? I did, yes. That's really well, in
0: fact, the essays, apart from the fact that they're grouped yes. in, into those four categories, mm-hmm. uh, and there was some logic to the sequence, which, which I explained in the outline at the beginning. Mm. Uh, they're essentially self-contained.
1: Mm. I think for any university course or mm. even you know matriculation course, I think that um, this would make a fabulous textbook actually <laughs> for our new leaders. Perhaps in business courses or or political science courses or a number of courses where we have need leadership. Um, so I think it'll go really well. I just wanted to ask a bit about people will be interested in your background, of course. And um, you were not an engineer. No. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your background and where you came from prior to being an author.
0: Uh, certainly not an engineer, although I'm very interested in engineering, but a lawyer. And that's by virtue of a family background that goes back many generations. Yes. Uh, we Lawyers have... and
1: doctors seem to, be, yes. seem to carry it forward, don't yes. they, within the families? Yes, <laughs>
0: certainly, certainly in our family. Mm. Uh, that was where I started. Then I yes. actually jumped out of the law to, into computing because I wanted to work on the, uh,
1: uh,
0: the early stages of Australia's legal information retrieval uh, right. development. You actually uh,
1: wrote quite an influential document, didn't you, uh, to, to do with IP, I think. Oh, that came later. That came later. Uh, that came
0: later. I, I'd actually... I spent about seven years in IT... Then I went back to the law, but as uh, a policy advisor uh, in copyright, and then uh, started doing commercial work as special counsel uh, in the Australian government solicitor, and uh, I wrote some guidelines which were used for about seven years as um, uh, guidance for people in the Commonwealth managing intellectual property issues.
1: Right, so that was that quite an influential document. I knew I, I had read a little bit about that. So, um, what's next for Philip Crisp? <laughs> this is uh, very exciting, and uh, well, we must mention <clears throat> also that um, there are a number of book launches happening around the country. Could you tell us about um, where the book launches are happening for the listeners?
0: Uh, we we're just about to have the first of them, that will be at Parliament House in Canberra on the 10th of August uh, and they will take place in various places over the uh, month following that. They'll be between 10th of August and 10th of September actually. We'll be doing Canberra, then Sydney, then Melbourne uh, and finally Hobart with the possibility of doing one in Brisbane later.
1: Right. So, um, of course, the the book can be bought at all good bookshops. It's being distributed by Dennis Jones & Associates uh, and Hybrid is the publisher. So, um, probably if you Google, so you want to be a leader, you will find this wonderful book and I would urge you to uh, rush out and buy it. It's well worth it. So, are there any messages you'd like to give personally to uh, a future leader um, in terms of um, obviously there's lots of messages in the book but you yourself if you had to talk to a future leader and they were sitting in front of you uh, what sort of advice would you give?
0: Uh, Well if I was writing one of the essays for the book I think the first advice that I would give to a young leader is take care of your health.
1: Wow, uh, right.
0: Nobody actually mentions that, but that would be my first one. Take care of your health, yes. mental and physical.
1: Uh, that makes a lot of sense, Philip, because, I mean, they say on the aircraft, don't they, <laughs> take the oxygen mask yourself first and then fit it to the children. So if you're a leader, you need to have that oxygen mask, don't you? I guess
0: so, <laughs> yes. Yes, you, well, yes, because you can't be good, much good to other people. Or to the society that you live in, unless that you ta- you're taken care of in your yes. own physical well-being and in your own yes. uh, mental well-being. Right. So I so I put that first. Okay. Um, and then I would say, get the best education that you can. Yes. Uh, I'm borrowing from Peter Eliard's suggestion in his yes. essay there, but I think he he's quite right in his suggestion that you know course of a career these days people will retrain several times as i have yes Uh, it's no longer the case that you just go into a profession and then you're doing that until you retire that's right so it doesn't matter quite as much what you start out with but get the best education that you have Mm. and i would then say work with the best people that you possibly can.
1: Don't be, role models.
0: Don't uh, yes. Uh, find role models and listen to their advice. But also surround yourself with people that are the best that you can possibly get, and don't be worried about being overshadowed by them. I think it's a very, it's a small idea. It's, it's a diminishing idea. It diminishes us when we want to be surrounded by yes people
1: or and by speaking.
0: people who are not going to excel or and perhaps yes. surpass us. Don't.
1: Yes. So somebody a little bit higher up the rung than you are who from whom you can learn. That's, from whom that's you what, can learn, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. That's wonderful advice. Well, thank you very, very much and um, good luck with all the book launches and um, I'm looking forward to... Um, Lots of people buying this book and it becoming a bestseller. I like to be right about those things.
0: <laughs> Thank Thanks you very so much,
1: much, Suzanne. And is there time
0: to say one more? Definitely, thing there is. That, more uh, thing. The book is is out now, and I think it, I think it's a, a great book. Uh, but it may not be uh, the end of the road. It might be a beginning because my hope is that we can take this a step further uh, ah. and I have something specific in mind right. uh, I'd like to see a companion volume produced right. Right. Uh, in which the young people who are the audience for this book get the chance to say how they're going to go about leading when their time right. comes
1: Essays from future leaders how good is that? I think that's a wonderful prospect.
0: That's exactly the concept. Yes.
1: I think if people go to your website and subscribe there, maybe they can um, get this further information. And actually, there's a lot of information on the website. So it's dot .au. .au.
0: Uh, If you drop the .au off, it doesn't matter. It'll still get there.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from www.aussierwriters.com.au And if you are a reader or a writer, then hop on over to our website and subscribe.